0: Head to my website SimonMundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. them.
0: Hello and welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast with me, Simon Mundy. This podcast has a simple mission, to have discussions that reveal something important about life and how best to live it. My guests range from the biggest sporting names on the planet through to neuroscientists, philosophers, psychologists, and world-renowned thinkers. We talk about things like how to skillfully relate to uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, the power of acceptance and psychological flexibility, how to get your circadian rhythms in sync to feel your best, right through to the nature of reality. These conversations and the bite-sized episodes have the power to change your life. Hello and welcome to the Life Lessons podcast with me, Simon Mundy. Okay, housekeeping first, just a couple of points of order. The Rugby World Cup's underway and so during the tournament over the next few weeks, I'm going to be re-releasing some of my favourite episodes with World Cup legends, kicking off this week with Johnny Wilkinson. It's of course 20 years since his immortal and unforgettable drop goal, which sealed England's one and only World Cup triumph in the most dramatic way possible. The theme of this conversation, the essence of this conversation really is about acceptance and what that word really means. This chat also throws up some important points about the nature of our self and our identity. And Johnny talks about the loss of his sense of self during that unforgettable moment two decades ago. And as I've spoken about in other episodes, which I will link to in the show notes, the implications of that are pretty profound and important. And before we get to this conversation, some exciting news from me. I can't reveal everything right now, but the book I've been talking about for a long time will be out very soon. More on that in the next few weeks. So watch this space. But first, here is Johnny Wilkinson. How are you?
2: Great, thank you. Yeah, yeah, really pleased to be here, and uh, yeah, life's great.
0: Now, you and I have got quite a lot in common. First of all, we are both above average number 10s right, okay. in our pond. <laughs> okay. We share an interest in, in uh, non-duality, which we will touch on without going too deep. We both like Arnie Schwarzenegger right, back okay. in the day. Nice, yeah. And fermenting. Right. I actually have listeners get in touch with me and ask about like how to make kefir and stuff like that, because I bang the kefir drum, Yeah. right? And I've got... That is a little pot of homemade milk kefir with chia seeds, banana, and blueberry. I will offer it to Johnny. I don't right. think he's uh, going to actually take <laughs> me up on it. Um, and you are a mad fermenter as well, right?
2: Yeah, probably about sort of seven, uh, more, yeah, seven, eight years ago now. I started to get very interested in um, what I was seeing around the rugby change rooms in terms of the um, nutrition. It was it looks it was so scientific, and I was sort of moving down a much more holistic, um, earthy route, if you like. Um, and uh, I sort of started to think, well, what what can be done I started to explore that, and at the same time, I was very hugely invested in a mental health journey, and, and so I, that was the route I was going down. My wife, um, a bit later on, started training to become a nutritionist, and we ended up meeting on a certain path where she came home and sort of said, you know, about fermenting. She started to get interested in, in this, and, and I started to explore the idea about its effects sort of mental health on the gut brain and everything. And, uh, and so we went for it. And since then, it's been a, you know, a journey of huge exploration. Now I'm sort of uh, officially in the market as a, as a provider of, of fermented drinks and in, in, in specific kombucha.
0: So you were looking at it from a mental health point of view sort of seven, eight years ago. So what, what benefits then have you noticed?
2: I think for me personally, going through a few, purely experiential sort of response to that it would be just feeling more alive and bright mm-hmm. during the day There isn't the lulls, the ups and down lulls. You know, it's just a sense of clarity. Definitely from a a digestion perspective, I'm sort of much more aligned. I feel, and as a result, I don't have any of the the issues I really remember having. But I've also changed the rest of my diet. So it always, like I said, it will work as part of a a global um, systemic thing. It's not just a kind of well keep waking up at this time and stressing your head off but just drink this and you'll be fine it's just it's part of a bigger picture for me but Mm. it's been a huge part
0: right the name of your company is number one and you've talked about it being one pillar of well-being generally speaking so that's why you came up with the name number one right
2: number one was quite a personal thing in everything that i've tried to do in my life i've wanted to be i want it to be the best it can possibly be i want it to be the number one i want to go out there to make it number one But the aim always was, and I'm not sure we'll ever get there, was at some point to also reveal that when you remove the dot, it then becomes no one. And the idea therefore being that being number one is a great ambition, but to never forget that it doesn't make you someone. You're still no one. And this was an amazing thing for me to understand that, yes, go out there and be number one as an ambition, as a strife, and see what you can do with your life and see what you can achieve. But understand underneath it all, it doesn't make you someone any more important. And that self-importance and that self-centeredness was always and and has always been at the very center, has been the crux or the hub of, of all my mental health journey has been revealing that that was the issue and so it was this great journey between saying yeah we're going out there to make it incredible but we're going out there to make it incredible by understanding that who we are is incredible but not any more incredible than anyone else and no one's special and therefore you can make everything you do the number one thing in your life
0: I think that's fantastic so number one and no one now that sums up I would say to some degree your journey
2: yeah I think number one going out there is about performance and I've understood from my life, and my exploration, that if I look at how I am when I'm performing at my best, it doesn't feel stressed or satisfied or proud. It feels effortless. It feels connected. And as a result, I then look at what I feel like when I'm trying to be someone in the change room two minutes before a game, and you're stressed out your mind, you're struggling, you fear failure, and you, you just want to know how everything turns out. And you go to that space about being no one, and you're exploring. And so it was this fabulous line between exploring in performance and not trying to control and exploring who you are and realising that there's nothing there. And it was that kind of, for me, that's the journey, is understanding that performance and being everything you can be comes from, on the outside, comes from realising that you're no one on the inside.
0: Let's illustrate this then with your story, right? So eight years old, Farnham RFC... I was Isha, by the way. All right, okay. Um, sure. Thank you guys for that <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> you were eight years old, and you wrote this list of things that you wanted to achieve. Yeah. One was be the kicker for England. Yeah. One was be the best in the world, and one was win a World Cup. Yeah.
2: there's a few more little ones in there about. But those are playing three pretty salient England, yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. And you ticked them all off. Yeah. So the essence of that, just to give a quick overview, was to be number one, to become number one, which yeah. you achieved. Yeah. And then you essentially to some degree realise that the top of that mountain wasn't the satisfaction that you expected there to be and then that has led you down the other side of the mountain towards no one right so that sums it up in a nutshell so take us back then to when you were eight and you were that fixated and that obsessed because you were obviously an obsessive character particularly as a you know when you were a rugby player that's well documented so were you like that right from that age
2: I still am now I still am as part of It's part of my internal drive and desire, which helps me in every single way. Uh Um, When I was young, I did set all these goals. I had a huge passion for rugby and for for sport in general, for ultimately through the physical means of trying to see what I was capable of. That's how I did it. How I wanted to see I was capable of was a ball in my hand, whether it be rugby ball there's a racket in my hand hitting balls or whether it was a cricket bat, or whether it was anything to do with sport basketball I just I just went for it there was a competitive side to that because when I was doing it, you know whenever you're competing you want to win um, and within that you want to know how you can be a part of that that win. Um, I set up my goals and I, I sort of went after it. But at the beginning, it was just pure passionate. I mean, literally, it was almost like hand me a ball. And you could see a marked difference in everything. You like just the, loved it, just a brightness, just an, an mm. almost like an aura around yourself, you know, I could feel myself become bigger. Connect it to life through that that ball and that exploration of what I could do with it and how I could master it, I guess
0: I have to just quick mention about about being that eight and and one thing it does show is is the benefit then of writing down goals you know because clearly in your case <laughs> i mean there 's a lot of talk about it. it. it did work
2: yeah there's two ways of looking at i guess you can you can definitely write them down and remind yourself of it and it 's a real commitment, a deeper commitment that that you sort of almost holds you to your path, but at the same time, the reason I wrote them down was because I was so enthusiastic about it that on an evening when there was no balls to kick and no games to watch on TV and my mum and dad had banned me from the the (laughs) bottom room where I'd rip the curtains down diving around and doing all this or or kicking toilet rolls around as if they were rugby balls you're left thinking, well, what can I do? So you get the pad out and start thinking, it's just an expression of that sheer desire and focus and intention. So in a way, yes, it was it was a great thing to hold me to my goals, but it also came about through just being single-mindedly focused on, on just exploring my passion in life.
0: Do you, do you think that obsessive and single-mindedness was born of anything or were you born that way?
2: Um, I think it was or it is, I think, part of something which came with me into this life and something that therefore is from as early as I can remember. It's been, um, it's, it's been a sort of an internal push, uh, that's been in everything I do. It's, it's, it's often been in things that I haven't necessarily found pa- that much passion in doing when I was younger. It's been a thing about getting the results and the things I've had the, my passion in. it was about what can I, what can I do? and yeah, what can i what can i be with this um but yes yeah, i think it's it's kind of uh, it's been there and, and it's been the secret of everything without single minded focus i don't think anything really well without committing committed action things don't get done and without the intention behind it so when you intensify that and you refuse to let it go i think things can happen i think the journey i had always look back and think it's ridiculous how a journey can waver in so many ways in terms of so many things seem to be, you know, not right or not what I expected. But that single-minded focus and desire brings everything back to a final point yeah. on that journey. And for me, that was the World Cup final. Whereas before that, there had been so many ups and downs, which would tell you that it's not working, it's not happening. But by taking that next step, you, you 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 can end up where you want to be, and who knows when it's going to be. But that for me was, you know, for it to end up at a World Cup final with a ball in your hand and someone you know saying the same words I said about myself in my back garden you know and oh he drops the world he's going to drop the goal for the world cup and someone's saying it about you it's yeah it's it's funny how that comes about but give me a you know two weeks earlier I'd have been saying oh what a waste of time you know when we almost lose to Wales in the quarter final it's never going to happen and a year before that when we lose the grand slam game against whoever Ireland it's kind of like oh it's never going to happen what's the point of this but the thing is is that it's the next step that counts not the last one
0: I mean, you virtually willed it into existence. A couple of things I want to say. First of all, that obsessiveness both is a driver and an incredibly positive thing, clearly, in your life, but has also been a challenge. A couple of other bits I want to say. Um, Now, I I imagine this would have made you squirm a little bit before, and I'm interested to see whether it still does. But I have to say you're that you... You're the first guest I've had on Don't Tell the School who literally brought me to tears. <laughs> right. I was okay. in Australia in 03. Oh, yeah you? Yes. Oh, wow. I w- but I wasn't in the stadium. I was in Darling Harbour. <laughs> right. There was about ten of us. And we were surrounded by Aussies. dirty yeah. great screen. Okay. Every- we used to do your right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We used to do your yeah. your pose. Yeah. Uh, and we were, you know, we felt like we were under siege, but we yeah. we held out. And then when yeah. that moment on, because at that time I think something that people forget is that you know, England and Britain never, never won the big stuff, and I think now, since I think that two thousand and three moment has set a lot of British sport up because it got rid of that kind of we can't do it moment. You know, yeah. all the successes that followed that win in oh three kind of to me kickstarted everything that followed. And I, I couldn't believe. It. I remember I rang from Sydney, left a you know sweary <laughs> message on my mum's uh, yeah. Phone. yeah. I just couldn't believe we'd done it. Yeah. So that sort of teed everything everything up. Um but let, let's go back a little bit though to your England debut. Also there. I was there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The I remember when well, you came yeah. on on the wing. I yeah. was I was just above you. You you were down below me yeah. on, on the left hand side. So that was it. So England debut, nineteen ninety eight, against Ireland. Obviously you are a winger. I mean, crikey, what the hell were they thinking then? What was
2: yeah, I asked myself the same question. Yeah. <laughs> no offence. No, I remember a bit warming up in the in-goal Line. Um with about sort of ten minutes to go for five minutes ago, whatever it was and uh we had a few we were dropping like flies in the back line um and i remember my cat got injured and myself and uh scott benton i think it was a scrum half were on the bench and they started calling me over to get warmed up and i was looking around thinking yeah but where am i going to go i was trying to point to scott benton say you know he's quicker than me what are you doing and and they said you're going on the wing Oh geez, I haven't pictured my first international cat was not um, on the wing. And as soon as I went on, I sort of thought, well, what can you do? You know, you just just uh, take the next uh, the next moment as it comes. And as it was straight away, they they put a box kick on me. Yeah,
0: and you took it. Didn't I took
2: you? it. It was a bit. Uh, it was a bit long, so I had a bit more time than uh, than than they wanted me to have. But also at the same time, we we were penalised. Because I had more time, because Neil Back was basically cheating. <laughs> 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 Neil Back had blocked one of their runners, so right. I had more time, but he got penalised for it. But it was, yeah, it was a good way to start the game, get into it straight away. But also, it was just a, it was just a great moment. I think I'd, I'd been on the bench the week before and not come on, and uh, that was the last game of the, the Five Nations that year. And if I'd missed that one, I'd have then been, yeah. So to get a chance for that time, who knows, you know, how important that became in, in terms of the next step. But it was, uh, it was a very. Uh, a a very sort
0: of life-changing moment, definitely. Yeah, and an an odd debut. And then, obviously, you very quickly established yourself in the England team. The tour of hell that you went on, so where England got pretty much battered, didn't they? How formative and actually valuable an experience was that?
2: If you'd have asked me at various times during my life, I'd have given you different answers. All of them to do with this idea about... um, you know, without challenge, there can't be change. Or you know, you need to all this for improvement and, and everything. But from my position now, how do I look at it? It's, it's it's a straightforward understanding of the infinite capacity to to accept, despite all the things before. And you thinking, you know, in, in my my myself at that time was built by these ideas of what what I could never deal with, and they were the things I tried to keep out. You know, by controlling my life, such as I could never deal with whether it be being sent off or letting my family down, all these kind of ideas I had at that time. Um, and one of them would have been being humiliated on a rugby field or whatever humiliation meant at that time. And uh, then it happens. And you sat around the changing room going, this shouldn't be happening
0: yeah. and I
2: can't bear it. And and it's everything I never wanted to happen. Yeah, This is the young kid who, who yeah always did this and always did this and this isn't right.
0: So there's the resistance to there's it. There's
2: huge resistance. but then the, the But then the understanding comes from that experience that, well, you can accept it because you do accept it because you, you move on. And as a result, it was a huge barrier that came down, not because suddenly I, you know, the, the day after I woke up in light and saying, well, hold on, I know I can do this now because no, I didn't. I, it took me a while to get over it, but it doesn't matter how long it took. The point is, is that whatever I thought I couldn't accept, I did. Mm. And I was able eventually to respond how I wanted and in a more powerful way. Now over time and over the experience, what's happened is that time has become shorter for me to a space where it's much more instantaneous. The accepting and the responding is is the same moment. Whereas then it was huge resistance for six months, nine months, a year, whatever it took me to fully get over that. And then you eventually move on and start getting on with it. But now that time comes down. I think for a lot of the guys in that World Cup team, We'd then gone through all the Grand Slam losses, where we lost to Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and then France, all in big Grand Slam deciders. Won every other game, and it was and it never happened for four years. It didn't happen, and uh, we'd all been through those things. And by the time we got to the World Cup final, also having almost lost to Samoa, yeah. uh, and then Wales in the quarter-final, and then having a guy that keeps kicking goals to put us back into yeah, like into a tie for the World Cup final when we we're that close to, to lifting the cup when he kicked the last goal, you look at the guy's faces and there is no resistance anymore. It's just literally like, it's almost flipping it the other way around. It becomes your favour because those guys, I think, and me as well, were thinking, I don't want him to miss this last kick because we don't want to win this World Cup because their guy missed the kick. We want to win it. We don't want to not lose it or to have it not, not won against us almost. And as a result, when it went over, everyone just moved as one to the halfway line, in total understanding, total togetherness, um, and in the most complete, I think, performance in terms of dealing or or thriving in a time-restricted, I'm not going to say pressure, but time-restricted situation against an incredible challenge, incredible opposition, we made something happen that was Remarkable, yeah, yeah. Purely because all of those guys had no resistance to the fact it's In fact, actually they said, we want to be, we want the unexpected because if we get what we want the whole time, we're not going to grow. And at that point, the guys were like, let's see how we can grow from this. Yeah. Let's see what we can do next. As opposed to, please just give us what we want. It was like, no, 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 keep challenging us and we'll keep seeing what we've got. And in the end, we show essentially what that whole five-year period had been about.
0: Just to touch on the resistance then, just to pick up on that point so yeah the resist resistance to what happens causes a lot of stress and disquiet in a lot of people so it's accepting what is
2: it it is definitely I think that I think there's so many different ways of of explaining it I think and and for me what it what it means ultimately is that if I'm if I'm resisting I think this is how I I live my life now is that those anything I get from resistance, which is, yeah, much, 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 much less than it's ever been. But whatever resistance I feel is not coming from me now. It's coming from an old version of me that's telling me now how to live my life. And whatever an old version of me thought wasn't acceptable, this version of me now, right now, can accept anything. And that battle, resistance for me, has only ever been... Things working against each other. We mentioned about the gut and the and the brain. If they're not working in tandem, they're ever so slightly not working together. Maybe working slightly against each other in some ways. You get stress as two forces working against each mm. other. Now, pressure and all those things for me is at the time. If you ask me when I was younger, I wrote a book when I was just after the World Cup because I was injured and they sort of said, "Would you like to write a book." So I wrote one and you read it. It's just black and white. It's just it's just telling people how they should live their lives and what's right and wrong what's good and bad and now that whole me was plagued by thoughts of pressure stress and fear of failure and all that came out of my mouth at that time was a verbalization of that I then live in a world now where I understand that if I don't have the thought what if this goes wrong for me without that thought there is no pressure if I come in here to do this interview with you and I think What if it doesn't go well? Now it's like, oh, and I'm under pressure. I've got to get this right. But if I don't have that thought, there's no pressure. It's not that there is pressure or there isn't. It's without that thought, there's not. Um, But that thought, what if it goes wrong for me, doesn't help my performance. Mm -hmm. Because my performance is at its best when I'm effortless, light, connected. And that thought creates stress, fear, and tension. So that thought is working against me. Now, if my mind's working against me, then I have resistance to mental health. And as a result, my whole life has been about like i said realigning so that everything is working as one to make sure that i can be however i you know however i want to be yeah to make the most of every second and and in those days my story was i'm really important which means i'm always under pressure i'm always stressed and you can tell how important i am because of how stressed i am yeah. and how fearful i am is because i want it more than you yeah but actually as soon as the whistle goes, it's a brilliant analogy that everyone uses—not uses—just a truth it seems for everyone that in the changing room, oh, I hate it. It's so tough just for the game. I can't bear it, and all this. But when the whistle goes, I'm fine. The understanding for me was that when I was in the changing room, I was trying to live in the future. When the whistle goes, that version of me, in that moment, then just realizes I've always been capable. But when you live in the now, you're always capable. Yeah. When you try to live in the future, you feel helpless because because I'm not equipped now to know the future of
0: course
2: not and that's what everyone does in the change rooms I need to know how this goes I need to know it goes well and all it does is creates an internal environment that wrecks you so people often say to me do you think you'd have played better if you'd have had this mindset back when you played and the answer is this is the only mindset I ever had when I played it's just in between the games I somehow created a world of stress and pressure Yeah. same way you look at a kicker now they're playing beautifully in the game the referee puts his arm up and says, penalty, you're going to kick at goal. And you watch the behaviour of the kicker all of a sudden. He goes from being totally absorbed and engaged and involved to suddenly, oh, God, here we go, stress, pressure. Because it's not because the kick is more pressure than the action they've just been doing. It's because they've got time to now think, what if this goes wrong for me? Yeah. What if I let the team... All those thoughts which don't help because just a minute before, they're beautifully engaged. They're, they're doing incredible things without thinking. And now they've got a bit of time to think. I had time to think between my games. And I used that time to do anything but prepare myself for the game. I did the opposite. I stressed the hell out my body. I messed my mind up all over the place. And then I went in. The whistle went. I went, oh, God, life's great. And I then made up this idea that all that stress led to that beautiful moment. So I stressed some more, thinking that it would bring some more beauty at the end of it. And it kind of ended up doing the opposite.
0: Yeah, so he's buying into that story. And that thought you know what if what if this goes wrong obviously it, it was extre- extreme in your case and extreme in the case of elite athletes like your teammates you know wanting to know how the match is going to go but everyone can relate to that and it is a very debilitating thought isn't it mm. It stops people doing things because like you say they imagine a future and an imaginary future can be pretty overwhelming but actually the reality of it the present very rarely is something we can't deal with
2: well, i think i think the absolute present the absolute present has already been dealt with it's already being dealt with so when you're saying the present is it's always the thought of what's next yeah and it's and the absolute present has already been dealt with um you know one of the guys that i think you mentioned we have some people in common that we we follow one of his expressions was that this moment now is inevitable that's it and now because it's inevitable, it's already been dealt with. It's here now, yeah. and that and and coming to that understanding then allows you to make the next moment something far more incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for me, it's a really good representation of that whistle. When the whistle goes on a rugby field, you just let go. Yeah. And that moment at the end of two thousand three, one second before it, if you'd have said stop, just think about this moment now, yeah, yeah. I'd have fallen on the floor. <laughs> I'd have I'd have picked my knees out hugged into my chest and just rolled around on the floor being like, take me out of here. Because I can't deal with the implication, the apparent consequences of this and the what if this and what if that. It would have destroyed me as it was on that field when you're in that moment, you let go and allow and whatever it's supposed to be. Now all that training, all the the preparation beforehand then allows you to be ready.
0: Yeah,
2: The mind didn't allow me to be ready for that at all it was my mind let go and allowed me just to be and then yeah and then the the all the work and all the dreams and all the desires just came into being like i said it's the one moment on a field where i have very little experience of what happened apart from observing it
0: yeah 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 i wanted to ask you about that very quickly the quote that you came was that rupert Spira.
2: No, that was Sadguru one. Yeah.
0: Sadguru, right? Okay. Um, so yeah, you mentioned there. So 2003, that moment. Yeah, you've described the infamous moment where you kicked the goal and brought a tear to my eye and many <laughs> other people's, as almost observing yourself. There being that sense of Johnny isn't here; it just happens, and, and a kind of peace came over you. So yeah, can you just describe what that that was like then?
2: Um, I think. It, it was, it's sort of going on my recollection from what was quite a long time ago now, unfortunately. <laughs> I, um, I got more and more involved as the play went on. So from the line out, I was stood before the line out waiting for the for the ball, waiting for the ball to be thrown in. So there's that kind of like, geez, can we just get on with this kind of feeling? And the ball came to me and I gave it to Mike cat, ran in, and then I'm sort of moving around to see what happens next. And at that point, I was starting to get a bit more involved and thinking, well, hold on, we're not going anywhere here. Am I going to have to have a long drop goal from all way back here? The guys are trying to get into position to take it up. Matt Dawson makes a break. As we're chasing him down the field, you're getting more and more involved. The crowd are picking up. Suddenly I'm looking now, instead of thinking, am I going to hit my drop goal?" I'm now thinking, where can I go to score the try? Can I help Matt Dawson here or whatever? Then the guys start going to the next rack and the next rack. And now I've lost that sense of, do I need to kick a drop guard? What am I going to do? And I'm now watching just what's happening. You know, Neil Back passes the ball to Martin Johnson, takes the ball, I'm watching Martin Johnson. I'm looking at him thinking, I'm watching every move he makes, is he gonna get the ball back, how's he done that, how's he done that, where are the guys coming from? I see Matt Dawson get into place and I'm stood there, and again I'm not thinking about the drop guard, I'm now I'm just stood watching Matt Dawson, thinking here comes the ball. I'm feeling the ball hit my hands, I'm no longer thinking I've got a drop guard to do it, I'm just feeling the ball. And then I set the ball down, drop it, and as it drops I see it drop and the ball turns ever so slightly towards me and forwards. Ever so like, if it goes too far towards me, it'll change the kick completely, but it's gone just a tiny bit, which means I'm going to miss the sweet spot of the ball. I can sense this the whole time. I'm going to miss the sweet spot of the ball, but I'll catch it just underneath and just around the, the, and on a, on a small solid point of the ball, which means it'll spin a lot quicker. It'll go a lot shorter, but it'll be a hell of a lot straighter. And so as it drops between the legs, I can feel my leg going back, but I'm not, it's not me kicking it. I'm just. I just. It's a knowing of it. And as I hit the ball, I can. The sensation is what I thought it was. You know, almost what what I what I knew it was going to be. And I'm watching the ball go, and it's tracing a line. And it's only when the ball gets halfway through the the, the other side, so goes a few yards past the other side of the post, that I then realise what the hell's happened. <laughs> and then me kicks in yeah. all of a sudden, you comes back, back, and and I do this half-hearted. It, sort of celebration which is almost just disbelief because I haven't been there to really see it and now I've come out of it to try and celebrate it which I then stopped myself knowing that these guys in in the golden shirts have have gotten back into this game so many times and if anyone's capable of doing it they are so I'm now running around going just catch the damn gig off and get this ball off the field now you know let's finish this job but it's it was a sense of deeper and deeper involvement um which led it to be not a memory that I treasure because I don't have that much memory of it but just an experience um, which gave me a glimpse if you like of of life a little bit outside the boundaries of what I thought was possible
0: a glimpse of reality a glimpse, of, a,
2: glimpse a glimpse of yeah something
0: Obviously, so 2003, as we've established, I've left that sweary answer phone message. Mm-hmm. You know, you've hugged Will Greenwood. He got yep. the shot. Everyone's happy. You've lifted the trophy. There's a picture of you walking down the tunnel with all these arms towards you and you've got your head bowed and you're going off. And obviously, you know, you'd convince yourself that the stress led to the performance. Yeah, of course. yeah. But then you spoke about not long after being kind of as empty as you'd ever been.
2: I I think that's it. Just from a sort of society perspective, you're in a way a little bit promised this idea that at the end of this suffering will come the joy, you know, whether it's the next car, whether it's the the job, whether it's the family, whether it's the um, retirement. I think it's quite interesting now because Hmm. life's added or the mind's added another one now, which stops you ever facing this because it says, well, after I'm gone, my legacy will make me happy. You're kind of like, oh, now I'm, now I'm screwed. I'm never going to, never going to face this in my lifetime. But the, um, the, the, the idea that all this doing will end in being, um, mm. is something that's, I think embedded a little bit in, in society over here, the idea that becoming someone. Will reveal all your potential. Mm-hmm. You know, what I acquire in my life is going to give me potential. Um, almost like there is actual potential in in a world cup that you lift. Yeah, you know that it has this almost source of energy <laughs> that when you lift yeah. it, you get yeah. embedded with this joy. I mean, it's it, like he man. Yeah, type. it is. Yeah, and it yeah. and it doesn't. It doesn't. It didn't work that way for me. And I was so pleased to have gotten to that stage early enough to realise that. Geez, you know, if, if it's not there, then surely maybe my potential is actually in me and yeah. I should look that way. And it's kind of like the obvious thing of, you know, what you're looking for is where you're looking from kind of idea that you sort of end up going, yeah, well, I've got to start maybe understanding that I started off this life as a young kid who just wanted to know all I could be. And I've become a guy that just wants to have everything, have the reputation, have the status, have the, 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 the cup have the the life and the whatever and when i had it all i was like oh geez i i've stopped being all i can trying to be all i can be and i've started trying to control the world to have this amazing thing and and it was you know the next morning it kicked in you you wake up and you know you sort of it's not yeah we're waiting for that big change you're waiting for you know the yeah yeah whatever it is to euphoria yeah yeah, it, it 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 just wasn't there but dangerous is that habit is is that you know suddenly I started thinking, well I'll tell you why it's not there, it's because we haven't won two in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we need, yeah, get, we need to get we need get busy on two thousand seven and sure enough we almost got there. Yeah, absolutely. Still it's but even so, yeah, like I said, that drive is amazing. The drive is and the single focus focus is so powerful. But the energy behind it, when you're you know when you're doing it out of passion and excitement between the two whistles, it's beautiful. When you're doing it out of stress and need and yeah. it has to be yeah or or else what if i let someone... it 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 can be the most uh, debilitating and destructive thing yeah you can you can you can experience
0: yeah it's interesting you say that you know you were fortunate to experience that at 24 and learn the lesson because we can see in the world a lot of people do get stuck on the accumulation world and it's never enough you know there's a lot of a lot of that goes around but clearly you're someone who wants to to learn the lessons so after 2003 and between you again and your trusty boots steering us to the sorry steering england to the 2007 final you had this unbelievable period where you robbed england fans of or you were and you were robbed of just so many appearances by all the injuries now two questions around this first of all to what degree were those injuries born of the pressure that, you know, the internal pressure cooker that, that you were self-creating? And second of all, you've said um, they were too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence. So to what degree were they inevitable? And, and then also it sounds like you learned a lot of lessons from that period.
2: Yeah, there's many ways I can explain this. And the inevitability of those injuries comes from the fact that I was so stressed at that time working my mind and body working against each other working against themselves in so many different ways um, I had my neck operation the first one I had was out I knew I was going to be out for the whole entire year 11 months I was out I knew I was going to be out for at least nine and the day after the operation with the neck brace on I was on a bike just because my head was telling me you've got to get back to where you were if not it's a failure and what if you never get back so get out and do this now my body is trying to go just let me heal I've been under surgery for seven hours or whatever you know and I've just come out just let me let me get healing and as it was I'm going my mind is saying no no I know what's better let's do this out of fear of what else and so yeah I got all those injuries 14 or whatever injuries in a row because I was my body just didn't heal but at the same time I can Early on, I've felt probably like I was, you know, when I was, if you caught me on a bad day, I'd have said this cost me, you know, potentially maybe 40, 50 games for England and imagine what could have been on a good day. I'd have told you, geez, you know, um, this has opened my eyes to so many bigger things. It's been incredible. And without, I'd never wish it away Yeah. in a global sense. Well, the most incredible thing about that was one day I looked, looked at it and thought, well, this is ludicrous. How can I have two stories for the same past? Which one of them's true? And the answer is I realised neither. There is no story to the past. And this was the most revelationary thing. Understanding that my I'm not a result of what I've been through. What I've been through is a result of how I am now. And my life then became about exploring who I can be now. And as a result, past and whatever is has, has changed for me. It's become a glorious memory opportunity it's not become a solid past that sticks me in a certain place and tells me this is who I am and therefore this is how it has to yeah. be
0: and so it's dropping away of the identity
2: hugely just because I got to the stage where I looked at it and thought well when I'm in a good mood apparently I, I live by the thing of saying that who I am is a result of everything I've been through uh-huh. but when I was in a good mood I'll tell you a completely different story to when I was in a bad mood yeah and so I was like well hold on this this, this is ridiculous Surely the cause can't keep changing, but the effects stay the same. So I've realized that maybe I've gotten the wrong way around. Yeah. The cause and the source is me right now. You know, the, the effect is actually what then, you know, the past has to realign to fit where I want to go now. And my future has to realign to fit what a, what it is I suddenly want to achieve today. And, yeah. you know, I, I, that, was, that was perhaps the biggest part that came out of all that injury was just, there was a, a bit of a, a deeper sense of understanding that you know, I didn't want to be a product anymore. Yeah, I, I always spoke about being a leader and a whatever, but my whole ethos in life was that I was being influenced. The environment and others and everyone else influenced how I was, and then I wanted to influence others. It was like me speaking about leadership was, was a farce, so I thought, oh, I've got to get serious about this and find out if I'm going to lead, I've got to go somewhere new, and if I'm going to go somewhere new, I've got to challenge myself.
0: So that period, how low were you?
2: Um, I was low, but my lowest points were actually not always in rugby. Yeah, I, yeah, I, because of the, whatever the obsessive side and and this mind working against it, myself or whatever, I did, had experiences off the field that were far deeper, um, and far more sort of challenging. But on the field, you know, w- without that sort of purpose, and when you you're a result of everything you've been through, and now it's all of a sudden your your values that tell you what's good, bad, and successful, and now turning in on you, saying, "Well, look at you, just sat here at home." Doing nothing, while all the guys are out there achieving stuff on the field, you're not even going to the gym, you're not achieving it's just falling away, you know, you're a waste of time. All these things turned in on me. Um, with an intensity that aligned with my obsessive nature. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't gonna let that go. Yeah, I wanted to sort of I wanted to explore just what a waste of time I was. So I went there. Yeah, and this like I said, that was all packaged as part of the deal. Um So
0: that became part of your identity as well.
2: Yeah, just being harsh on myself. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Yeah. And, and so, as many people talk about with the the depression side that comes with it, is that you're you're locked in a cell, but yeah. outside the cell is the prison guard, and it's you, and you're holding the key, and there's therefore there's no way you're getting out mm-hmm. because it's not someone you can convince and say, you know, I'm actually a good guy because the guy out there is telling you, no, I know exactly who you are, and you're staying in there. <laughs> it's where you deserve to be. and So you need permission to let yourself out, and yeah, that 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 was a it was a it was a really really interesting time and and at that moment there's nothing more important than than immediate support yeah you know whether it be family and and whether it be friends and i had these inside that support in spades or whether it be you know getting out there and 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 starting on the on the road to you know to to create an environment where you're not getting better but you're getting ready yeah to get better
0: were you able to communicate with with this your support network were you able to be open with them about what was going on
2: just i just couldn't go below the surface uh-huh. of it right everything i articulated at the time was just talking about how i needed the world to change uh-huh. for me to be different yeah um because i was an, you know i was a like i said i was a, a product of the environment so i needed the environment to change so i could be a different product um, and as a result what with the readiness for me to get better came from after it'd been you know i don't know 9 months or whatever i it just sort of started to hit me that I, I suddenly for whatever reason um i understood that it's me that needs to change yeah
0: so you had this aha moment now we won't go kind into too much detail yeah. about schrodinger's cat but do yeah. google it because it's yeah. a bit of a mad thought experiment but you had this aha moment where you realized that you were creating your own reality
2: yeah i, I guess maybe i wasn't as deep as, as that at the time, I just realized that if I want my world to change, um, it's I not just, the
0: world that has to change. Yeah, maybe it's
2: me. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how much of the world was in me. And that journey has been you know, <laughs> continues to, to, to sort of, to evolve. But yeah. the, for me, it was, it was just that understanding that, you know what, I've got to explore some of these apparent truths that I hold about life and about me. And when I did start exploring them on this journey, you the last thing I ever came up against has been a truth. I've never found anything solid. Yeah, I turned around and looked for myself and sort of said, come on, you know, to this this me and said, you've been driving me like mad. You've been having your opinion on me. You've been telling me what's good, yeah. bad, and how am a waste of time? So come on, let's let's meet you and me. And I'm like, you're a no-show. Yeah,
0: nowhere to be found. <laughs> you're
2: a no-show, yeah, exactly. And so it's like, well, hold on. What else isn't here? And, and as a result, you know... Um, it, the journey sort of took me into a space that that seemed to go in a different direction to a lot of uh, those around me who who were sort of you know were finding it hard to to understand what I was doing in my life at that time.
0: So it is so you you were bound up right and you've spoken about the identity of humble Johnny. So you know right. yeah, there yeah. was an element of, you know, you have to speak to people for two minutes, you have to be respectful. And, you know, everyone was, you know, I think had fallen for that that part of you. But you realised that even that, you know, was an identity that that y- you were holding on to, that that yeah. you could just let go of.
2: Yeah, I I think it was it was more it was more no matter how much I tried to get away from it everything had the sense that there was a payoff coming. So by being, spending time with people, I love spending time with people, but there was this sense that by doing it, there's a payoff coming. And that payoff was people are gonna think this way about me, and for some reason that makes me a better person. Uh-huh. And the payoff was always if I do this, and I'm willing to, and I loved it, don't get me wrong, I loved it, and I love speaking to people, But but it was probably the overriding factor was you know they won't believe it if i stay behind for three hours after a game and, and sign autographs <laughs> really or, yeah or you won't believe yeah. it if i you know if if you know i kind of almost that sense of yeah i'm doing my two or three hours kicking on a day whatever wrecking my body but um and i'm thinking i love doing this but then when someone starts watching the crowd i'm thinking oh they're gonna see how hard i work do you know what i mean it's like it's always this payoff of what other people think or Whatever else is coming is going to make me a better person, make me happy, or essentially be my saving grace. Um, and and I guess it was yeah the interviews or whatever when you finish an interview and you're afterwards you, you you have that sense that it was a good interview as opposed to it just being you. Yeah. Uh, and that's I guess the difference between yeah the the absolute involvement of them in the moment or the. Doing it because there's a better moment coming. Yeah. You know, if if I get through this, you won't believe what I'm going to get at the end of it. As opposed to, yeah, now I I, I spend two or three hours talking to people, and and they want to get away. I'm the one. <laughs> I'm the one that speaks to them because I because I I just want to I want to interact. I want to connect to people. Yeah. I spend time doing things that I love doing, or even things that I don't necessarily love doing. I spend time doing them because I'm fascinated. Yeah. I'm curious about everything. I, I'm just. I'm I'm absolutely intrigued by everything. Whereas before the intrigue level was the intrigue level was a little bit lower because the level of, oh, imagine what will happen if this happens was in there. The payoff, the big payoff coming. Which again, I sort of got to the end I sort of had to check myself and say, I've been here before. Yeah. There isn't one coming that, you know, if I'm having a, a bad day, it doesn't matter if, you know, so many people are out there liking me doesn't matter. It's not about, yeah. You know, I'm not a result of other people's yeah, yeah. thoughts. Yeah. I'm just not a product. And yeah, so I kept coming back to it, but it's a lot of my time was doing the right thing instead of just being me and yeah. exploring that the right thing is already in all of us, I think.
0: So yeah, your obsessiveness played out in this trying to control things, including the way Definitely, other people yeah. saw you. Yeah. And in letting go of that control, is that how you found peace?
2: I think... I think letting go of control is essentially the only way to have total control, but not in a sort of oppressive, controlling, oppressive way, way a <laughs> controlling way, <laughs> yeah. but more in a, in a sense of, of revealing your ability to respond, Yeah, you know, is, is for me comes from exploring yeah, and that means is why I say you know, the challenges for me are, are always going to send me into that space of, wow, look what I do actually have the ability to respond to. So, yeah, you know, I, I sort of speak to some of the guys with the the kickers that were involved in this is to say, you know, in the change room before the game, sometimes you catch yourself thinking, I hope this team haven't travelled well. I hope they're not, yeah, you know, they're they're playing some of their second string team or 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 you know they they've decided they're going to save themselves for next week or whatever. But actually you change that round going back to the England final when, when the, the boys I think were, were actually keen for Elton Flatley to kick that last goal I think it's the same in the change room you, you look around and go I hope like anything that these guys bring their best game mm. and I hope that my opposite number has an absolute stormer <laughs> why? because I want to be challenged I yeah. want to find out what I'm capable of so I don't want what I want Yeah. I don't want what I expect and I think um, you know, I think that's been, that's been for me quite a, a big part of that you know you sort of letting go of contrary say more you know allowing or yeah. or
0: not um, resisting yeah yeah allowing and accepting yeah you talked as well about that period where you had all the injuries and that you had a lesson that had to be learned and the one for you was about balance which you were just out of whack is that true
2: um yeah like i said i think from a balance perspective it was coming back to the idea that it's not a case of finding balances so much balance is already here
0: right it's here and now so don't tinker with it
2: it's just but it's it's back to that same part about just allowing things to be the balance is the balance is already here i think trying to balance a million different things it's hard enough just trying to balance two um yeah you, know, you, you live just with one other, other person in your house and you think well it's just you just get a dog and you think well i've only got a dog i should be able to balance this your life becomes a, an absolute no. Just because you're trying to balance someone else, whereas if you just look deeper into yourself, then the balance is already there. I think, um, yeah, I, I guess the lessons idea was interesting because I think that you you make up your own lessons to learn. It just depends on what direction you want to go. And for me, when I was younger, I had every lesson I learnt was helpful to achieving things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the losing seventy six nil to Australia was a massive lesson how to achieve the World Cup but it wasn't a lesson in how to reveal the best of me yeah it was all things can be an incredible lesson in how to get what you want Um, they're not necessarily the same lessons that end in you know in, in that kind of more peaceful joyful and inspired state
0: a quote of yours I like the beauty of being alive is never arriving and th- that kind of touches on what we're talking about here, isn't it? This idea, you know, we're, we're always looking to arrive and in doing so, many people never live. That's what a lot of people say. And the beauty of life is understanding that it is I, impermanent.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, a good way to... to sort of, my last game was with, um, was with Toulon in France and we had a, a European Cup final followed by a, a League Cup final. And we'd, no team in France had ever done the double and we won the European Cup final. My final game ever of my career was going to be this final. So <coughs> excuse I had a few nerves going on before the game and yeah, quite sort of like, uh, yeah, really keen to get out there and make this a big performance and, and do whatever's possible. And, and walking around the field at the end, holding that, that they call it the Brennus, it's the world's biggest shield, it's incredibly heavy. Walking around the field, Speaking to the incredible supporters that we had in the Stade de France or whatever, geez, it was an incredible moment. But I'd have swapped it in an instant to be back on that field one minute before the end of the game. And this is the point happened with the World Cup final as well. Just the referee on his putting the whistle to his mouth, I'd have swapped it for that moment just before the ball crossed the line when Mike Cat smashed it off the field. Mm. Um, and th- this, for me, is the has been one of my biggest sort of findings along the journey is that we'll never I'm never going to arrive at yeah. who I am and that and life's done that for me. As much as I think I've arrived there, the the thing is is I'm never ever going to arrive at who I am and that's why it's such an amazing feeling to be alive because I can keep exploring.
0: Yeah.
2: It's only it's only up to me if I suddenly decide I'm at the end of that journey because I am who I am. I'm a result of my past and therefore this is who I am and then all of a sudden I've now got to control everything around me to maintain my happiness instead yeah. of realizing that, you know what, I'm on this amazing journey of realizing that when I'm 95 years old, I'm still not going to be anyone. No, But I'll still be just thinking about who I could be.
0: Yeah. Where is happiness to be found? Is it then in being present, which in another way of putting it, is, is in loving the process?
2: Right. Um, I think happiness and whatever and joy and those kind of things are interesting. Well, yeah. I think where they found is in being alive um, and exploring what, for me, what that really means. I spoke to someone recently who who's, who's playing rugby and was told, you know, you need to be more, you know, more enjoyment while you're playing. And the danger is, is you walk around thinking that, well, if I just smile when I'm playing rugby, then I'll be enjoying myself. And I'm like, how does that feel when you try trying to do that? It feels the worst I've ever felt. Well, what does joy mean to you? Yeah. it just, It's when I'm just fully engaged in what I'm doing. Present present, alive, inspired in a way, going somewhere new, yeah, going somewhere into a space where you haven't been before. Excited, opportunity, yeah, connecting to people, which is why people often say happiness is in friends and family. It's like, well yeah but but when people start to become friends and they feel like family, that's an incredible connection, yet everyone can become friends and family if you're willing to go deep enough. Do you know what I mean? It's like for me it's 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 in everywhere, but it's in exploring. I believe from my own experience, the one thing I can truly say is that I've never controlled my way to my potential or happiness.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. I've got some cracking new guests coming up. And of course, my long-awaited book is out soon. Until next time, goodbye.